0: Finding Chaos by Heather Marsh. I don't know how to do the chapters anymore. I'm on Society versus Disassociation, page 36. The last chapter talked of a state of nature where society did not exist. In truth, such a state has never existed outside of social contract theory because humans are social animals. We have always created societies. In today's structure, society with its dependencies and relationships has been converted to a completely monetized system of disassociation. For the first time in human history, people have been effectively disassociated from each other and are living in a state of no society. Humans are social animals. We want a society. Humans also want dignity, including the right to attain adulthood and achieve our full potential. Both of these are biological needs hard-coded into humans, and we feel deep unrest at their removal. Um. Then she has a graphic. Of course, I can't describe and oh she's going to in the diagram above all of people's basic needs are enclosed in the first space this can include food housing health care education life work and even family these essential resources are separated from the people and held in a space not accessible to them the resources healthcare, care a member of the public is not able to review the work of the health professionals they do not have access to pharmaceutical studies cannot choose the remedy they wish and cannot assist others all resources are funneled through the second space called a leech A leech is a parasite that attaches itself to a host and drains the host while contributing nothing. In society, our leeches are financial institutions, old-style media institutions, the ones internal to each system as well as public broadcasters, regulatory bodies, training and licensing institutions, distributors of goods and services, and all other bodies set up to regulate the flow of resources to the society. None of these leeches contribute to society, they simply control access to resources. In the food system, duty trade restrictions and trade treaties control access to food. Government regulatory bodies control both production and distribution, even preventing food sharing between people or scavenging from waste food, for example, by requiring chlorine chlorine bleach to be poured over food in dumpsters. In the education system, the universities control who can learn, control their learning, and produce a credential that allows a person to perform work. The freedom to learn and the power of peer promotion is removed, to an outside regulatory body in almost every profession. In science and art, intellectual property laws prevent collaboration, studying use of prior work and encourage secrecy and information hoarding. Even sport, games, and entertainment are strictly controlled and regulated by bylaws, causing both to be largely replaced by professional organizations with access funneled through leeches. Every conceivable resource has had access removed from the society and placed in the control of leeches. The system of disassociation is so entrenched in society that it is very seldom questioned. Money for health care is equated to money for insurance, even though insurance companies do not provide health care. Banks need to be propped up to provide housing, even though banks do not provide housing. The almighty economy must be saved even at the cost of untold lives or life on earth itself. But we can't eat the economy. Education and information are controlled, not produced by existing institutions. Both could and should be provided by trade be provided by transparency and open access. Distributors should be replaced by farm gate importing. Information wants and needs to be free, and choosing one's own life work is a basic right not to be removed by regulatory bodies. In the system of disassociation, individuals have no societal protection. Each is dangling from the leech by their own little vein with a limited access to resources. There are no direct relationships or dependencies. Even if the access allows the person plentiful amounts of everything, there is a built-in awareness of shortage and reliance on a system that strongly discourages sharing. If one person's vein is broken, their need is met by hostility from the others dangling by their own veins. To rescue another is to weaken oneself. Predictably, rescuing those in need requires the creation of more leeches in the form of NGOs and government regulatory bodies for people in crisis. This results in a transference of responsibility that prevents society as a whole from spending much time considering those who their society fails. All the NGOs and regulatory bodies do is distribute and control the generosity from the rest of society and take a very large cut for themselves. But people are conditioned to believe the NGOs actually provide the support ironically the individuals whose access to the leeches for for some reason broken are referred to themselves as leeches the taxpayer was invented to assert moral control over other members of society such as children anyone in crisis prisoners and anyone who dares to work outside a corporate approved role the taxpayer is encouraged by relentless propaganda and enabled by the financial system to consider themselves both the backbone of society sorry it's a bug i don't know what it was that flew into my head Um, the financial system is considered uh, the, the taxpayers encouraged by relentless propaganda and enabled by the financial system to consider themselves both the backbone of society as evidenced on monetary flow charts and nowhere else and personally robbed by all others when people look for the source of the obvious obvious flaws in the systems of disassociation, they are always pointed to those that are not acting as the taxpayer. Seldom does society look past the propaganda to the real leeches. There's another graphic. Original society is formed by a mother giving birth to a child. Once a mother becomes pregnant, dependency has been created and she must surround herself with a support network or a society. At the very least, if her society is to survive, she must create a support network between herself and her child or find another caretaker for her child. A mother and a child is a basic unit of a society, a a a unit with dependencies, an unequal ability working for a common goal. This is where a new society must start to plan a new direction. There are many dependencies in a full society besides children. Children are the original core, because without them a society dies. But a full society will also have people with a variety of mental and physical limitations and gifts. In today's unsociety, people with any dependencies are seen as worthless, or at best inferior, instead of different. Today's ideal is a young, healthy, intelligent adult with no dependencies. In today's unsociety, the core element has been Two or more men shaking hands. That is not a society. That is a trade relationship. The fallacy of equality for women is dependent on their simulation of that ideal. Women are offered an equal opportunity to participate in trade relationships. A trade relationship must occur among equally advantaged partners if one is not to be taken at a disadvantage. Dependencies are abhorrent in a trade relationship. Dependencies and sharing weaken a trading partnership weaken a trading partner, ownership strengthens them. A true society is shown above which is starting to manifest in various forms around the world and still exists in a very few. In it every society includes the entire user group and not one and no one but the user group. No one outside the user group can control the activity inside. Access is restricted for none. Information is available to all through transparency. Education is available to all from their peers and through epistemic communities with knowledge bridges. Anyone can submit work through concentric user groups or stigmergy. End of that section. I think the the picture that she puts with it's sunny, so there's a lot of motorcycles out. Um, I think the picture that she paints with the leeches uh, dangling by a vein is really real, accident uh, is uh, really strong in here, because it's dangling the each. It's, it's each of us. Each of us are dangling uh, from the leech by their own little vein, and so um, and that's all the, that represents all the limited access to resources that we have, and because and. Uh, I feel that way even looking around at the problems in the world is that I look around and I just like really like the strong way that she uh, describes this because you're hanging out by yourself and you want to help all these other things going out in the world and you can't because you know that there is this that you have to do. Part of that is dependency. Um, If you ever read the deficit myth, then you'll understand that taxes are people are taxed and some of these things are created through taxes because they, the sovereign country wants you to spend their money. They want you to use their money. So they don't want you to use a gift economy. They don't want you to want you to use any other form of trade or sharing of knowledge and everything is protected and that kind of stuff that she goes into because in order to make a sovereign government's money legitimate, uh, you have to spend it and you have to use it and you only can use that. And that's kind of, and in the book, it kind of describes, that's why, that's why we have taxes. That's why if you want to get somebody to do, if you want to get your kids to do the chores, you don't offer to pay them. Um, you, you, uh, you um, the example that she said was somebody had, he, it was a businessman businessman who had business cards, And he said, you owe me these many business cards at the end of the week and say, you owe me 20. You owe me 20 business cards at the end of the week. And they're like, we don't have business cards. Like we can't go out and make our own. We don't have business cards. He's like, exactly. You have to work. You have to do chores. This is with you're dealing with kids, Uh, you know, mow the lawn, clean the kitchen, take out the trash, whatever. And I'll give you business cards for doing those chores. Chores. So at the end of the week, you have enough business cards to pay me <laughs> taxes. And it worked for him. And so it was. It was really interesting to see that flipped around and how, how that, how that thinking works because it's not. Uh, they're always talking about um. The government comparing the government to your household, and of course you have your household and you budget it and expenses and and. Uh, Uh, assets and income and stuff like that and that doesn't work that way for a sovereign nation because they are the money issuer they create the money they can create them all the money they want within reason because of inflation that's the check that's the check to that they can create all the money they want as long as inflation doesn't go up and, um, I don't know, very interesting book, uh, the deficit myth, uh, the thing she talked about with the NGOs and this, oh, this thing that I've always had about charities and like, yeah, you want to do that. You want to give money and you want help to get out there. But, um, it was a surprise to find some, I think Shiva was one of the ones, one of the groups that I found where they were completely transparent with where the money went and how much money went to men, managerial costs. And that's a huge thing. The NGO keeps themselves running and uh, the people who go out there are comfortable. And that all requires a whole lot of money. And so the cost that you think, the money that you think is going to people really isn't. Or, you know, you have all these stories of the Boys and Girls Club. You know, the guy managing that, taking the money and going and buying a yacht and all this kind of stuff. It's crazy stuff. <laughs> Plus it's charity and the charity, it's, it's fine. I understand it, but charity doesn't change the system. If if you're having to rely on charity and that kind of stuff is going on, it's because the system is broken. It's not working and charity won't change that. Could you help somebody? Yes. But can you change the system that required them to need the help in the first place? No. Um, uh, I like the, the way she labels people, like the, the taxpayer. That's an interesting, interesting one to look into. And the one where it starts with a mother and child, and that's the small dependency network. And the one where she says it, it is. I mean, you look at the propaganda of anything in movies, TV, media, any the books, anything, that's all they're interested about, is if you're young, healthy, have no dependents, no dependencies, and you're able to just go out and do everything in the world. And then, if you have anything less than that, then you're worthless. That's why it's different. You know, differently abled. What What can you cut first? You can always cut first any aid or any help to anyone who is not, who is differently abled, who um, has differences, and doesn't meet this ideal in, in society. So, if you don't meet that ideal in society, there you go. That's why. it's not your fault. <laughs> um, uh, the dependencies, that was another uh, the fallacy of equality. Um, uh, because the, uh, that is not, yeah, two men in a handshake. that's a trade relationship, not a society. So she gives a hint in the very last paragraph, and I'm going to read it again, talking about what she envisions a true society is. A true society shown above, which is starting to manifest in various forms around the world and still exists in very few. In it, every society includes the entire user group and no one but the user group. No one outside the user group can control the activity inside. Access is restricted for none. Information is available to all through transparency. Education is available to all from their peers and through epistemic communities with knowledge bridges. Anyone can submit work through concentric user groups or stigmergy. So that's an inkling of how, and that's definitely because I've read the other book too, that's definitely an inkling of how she envisions these things to work, is this cooperative, uh, cooperative, cooperation, collaborative groups, but the, the idea is that, it, that nobody outside of the group can vote or have a voice on something that affects that group. Which is really uh, powerful when you think of it, and i don't i don't know if i 'm correct, but i when I think of it as my local laws want to have a problem with fracking, they want to pass uh something that protects uh, uh the air and water and resources from these pollutants or any pollutants, so they pass that law the locally they pass that law. Um, then it goes to the state, and the state says, no, you can't, and they overturn it, and they overturn it. Why does the state get a vote and a say in what's going on locally? Why does their uh, voice trump what's happening locally? So states say, no, you're going to live with this pollution, it, you, you, or die, or you're going to die with this pollution, <laughs> and that's that. I mean, Flint, Michigan is another one. Um, so knowledge bridges and just transparency. Can you imagine transparency? And knowing where everything is going and what is being done, just the transparency, part of it just blows my mind as far as, well, what if we knew, what what if we knew exactly where all the money was going? I mean, you can to a certain extent, but it's not transparent. And especially with companies and stuff and trade secrets, but what if it was transparent for the company to show everything that was going on? That in itself would be awesome. All right, that's it. The next one we're going to do is radical privacy and radical transparency. Then we're going to talk about the transparency. Because that's just a topic for me that just blows my mind. All right, thank you very much for listening. It's almost too cold to sit out on the porch. So I don't know where I'm going to move this to. I don't know yet. I have to think of another place to move the reading to. All right, take care. Bye.